Oh, whoops. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Sorry, guys. I literally... Oh, it has been a mess since we've done this one. Okay, so let me do the interlude again. And this is where y'all will exhort.
How do we usually go from that song? No, you gotta get the beat. Uh, I was trying to think about that. Is it worthy? Do we do is We don't ever even sing uh, that song. rather go from worthy into this song yes worthy is your name Jesus into that okay so Kali sings the verse on these that course is her by herself that first time and then we come in in parts okay
we're going to go into that bridge. So let me figure it out. just kind of keep it rolling uh, as we kind of transition into that other song. So let's try that again. Uh, that bridge going into this.
Sterling is not here. So, verse two, I want y'all to come in on. I'm not backing down from any giant. So, that's going to be unison there. And it says, I know. Hang on, let me get the right key. y'all know if I want to go into deliverance okay because I I forgot oh he had brought it back up and I was trying to remember what song that uh, we did okay so let's
Welcome to Youth Sunday, this Sunday night. We are glad you're here. Yeah, give yourself a hand. You made it. And tonight is going to be a little different. We're going to have our students that went to North American Youth Congress um, probably a week and a half ago to give their testimonies of what they experienced on this trip. And so what we're going to do now is they're going to give their testimonies now. And then we're going to have a song afterwards where we'll take up the offering. And then I'm going to wrap up the service. But so what I wanted to do, you may be seated, is everybody that came to North American Youth Congress to get ready. Brother Caleb, would you like to go first? And so what we're going to do, yes, give it up. Woo! Thank you all for being here and listening to our testimonies. It's just here for you Sunday. Setting the bar a little low. You're welcome, guys. Um, I'd just like to first off say it was surreal and it was phenomenal. And I've never seen so many apostolics in one place. And there was 30,000, 34,000, and it was insane. The worship service, the praise, the word, there were five services in total, and all of them were great. And the one that uh, spoke out to me the most was the first night. And it was Brother Michael Thomas. And he spoke about how there needs to be a change and how there needs to be a change maker. And how there needs to be somebody to pick up and to do that and be that change. And the whole theme of the whole of every night, the underlying theme was a change. And how there needs to be a change in the world. And how something is going to happen and how something that is going to start happening. And it's... It's going to be awesome, and it's going to be a spiritual change in everybody's life and everybody's hearts, and I just can't wait. And next, we're going to have Sister Emma Morton speaking, giving her testimony. my first year going this year it was so cool there I there's so many people and the music was amazing I've never experienced anything like it and uh, I would love to go back again whenever it happens thank you Kenzie Bratcher so this is my first year at NAYC and it was really incredible like seeing all those people in one place all worshiping God like all there for the same reason it was really cool um it kind of blew my mind just seeing like that many people like my mind couldn't wrap around the fact that there were over 30,000 people in one room but um it was super awesome we had amazing services um and great speakers and I had a lot of fun spending time with my youth group brother Mason Fleming is up next uh, I'm not like the others. I prepare stuff, sadly. <laughs> so, mine's not going to be as short, but stick with me, because what I got was from God, and I believe that it's what God wants me to say here. So, um, I'm not going to go through all the nights, so don't, don't get your hopes up yet. But um, the first night, it was uh, Brother Thomas, and... His title was Five Missing Words, but one of the points that he made was on sleep. And um, he was talking about how 
I can't remember the percentage, but it was a high percentage that said a lot of people, when their alarm goes off, they're going to hit the snooze button, and they're going to keep hitting it multiple times. And uh, Science, I guess, article came out that he read, and it said that um, more people that hit the snooze button are more likely to have blood clots. They're more likely to have more health issues due to the fact that an alarm was created to wake you up. So what it does is it temporarily puts your body in like a state of panic to wake you up. So your body is getting all this adrenaline and all this stuff that's making your body wake up, and that's what happens, which we don't realize it, but that's what's happening. So you're, you're going to keep hitting the snooze button. It's going to keep ha happening. Eventually, something's going to happen, and your blood might get a little messed up. Heart problems are caused by it. But he said that there's an alarm going off in this day and age trying to wake up those who have let their spirit fall asleep getting those who are in comfort in a bed, that's why I'm comfortable, uncomfortable. And he said due to the uh, COVID, spiritually, we've been in like a drought, or the church has kind of been like asleep lately. And um, I'm young, so please don't get mad at me, but I feel like God's saying this, telling me to say it. But um, as a church, we become comfortable in letting our spiritual lives go to sleep. I mean, we've been, we've been praying here and there, I mean, we'll read the Bible every now and then. We'll, we'll go to church, though, but we'll, we'll go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. But, or, you know, I cried Sundays, so you know what? That's, that's good enough. Like, I've got to be spiritual to be able to cry at church. But um, not necessarily. Those things are all good. Those things are great to do. But, um, but what have you done with all of that that you've got? The alarm of, man, I'm just keeping ahead. Hold on. Let me find my spot, guys. Uh, okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so whenever we hit that snooze button sometimes on God's alarm clock, him calling us to do something, the more that you do it, spiritual problems are going to occur. You might start struggling with things that used to be easy to overcome. You might not feel connected to God anymore. You might not feel connected in church. You might just be sitting there. It may just feel dead inside because you're asleep spiritually and you've been hitting the, the snooze button on the, God's alarm clock. And then, so we skip ahead, and this, was, this just felt like I should put it in this spot, but um, NAYC trips are fun, guys. The drive down there and back, it's so much fun. But I was thinking because we didn't have much room, so which I'm thankful for us having AC, though. Thank you, Brother Stephen. And, uh, yeah, give a hand clap for them. They went through a lot for that. But I ended up on the ground somehow in a van full of people somehow. And it occurred to me, it's crazy the extent that people will go to to be comfortable. On this ride to St. Louis, I laid on a dirty floor Ended up getting sweaty because it was a little hot down there and was squished by tons of seats and stuff, but somehow I found it comfortable. I moved people out of the way. Thankfully, they were nice about it, but I did all of that to get comfortable when in the end, whenever I woke up, I was so uncomfortable. I was sweaty. I had dirt on my back, but I did all of that, and in the end, it wasn't even worth it. 
So sometimes we're going to try to hit that snooze button on God's alarm clock because we like being comfortable. We like doing all of this stuff that like God's like asking you to do this or go pray for someone or read your Bible, go to your prayer closet. But we're like, mm, I'd rather be comfortable. You know, mm, I rather wouldn't do that, God. But in the end, you are so uncomfortable sitting in church because spiritually you're asleep. Spiritually you're dead. So it feels like, oh, why am I so uncomfortable now being in church? Why am I so uncomfortable with God now? It's because you hit the snooze button on him and you kept going to sleep because you're thinking, I got to get comfortable somehow. So why don't we try to start finding comfort in the uncomfortable as a church? So uh, in the morning, we had a mission lady come and um, she talked on righteousness and I would struggle to talk on that because that is such a tough talk topic to talk about but she did phenomenal um but she quoted a verse she said but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be proved to you a lot of the times i've read this verse and just pass it on and be like oh yeah okay be righteous yeah we'll do that but I mean, you never really know what righteous is whenever I've thought about it. Like, I had no clue what it was, but I was like, yeah, I'll be righteous. But uh, she goes on to explain that righteousness um, in a lot of cultures is showing love, being giving, and all this stuff that's just, like, catered towards love. And uh, she goes uh, into this culture, and she's visiting this place, and it's um, the whole culture is based on righteousness, and they had tons of words that meant towards righteousness and uh, like Greek and stuff, which was really cool because she never talked to them about that she was learning about righteousness or whatever. But God still gave it to her. But um, someone there would accept 40, 50 people coming to their house just because that's part of their culture is being giving, loving, accepting of people. And um, we not only need to be try to be righteous or righteous but we need to make it a priority not only not only bringing love and giving of material things to a certain extent but also oh well not just giving material things to a certain extent um you don't have to give your house to someone for free that's not being righteous if god asked you to i'll accept it as long as you pay the bills i'll accept it though but um We need to make a priority to be righteous because it comes, when it comes to the gospel, it needs to be something that we can't help. We can't help it inside of us, but we have to give it to other people. Mm. It has to pain us to not be able to or not give someone the gospel or not talk to someone about God or not try to at least try to put God in their lives or give God a chance in their lives. I'm not trying to condemn anyone in here. It's not my job to do that at all. This is just things that God have given me, just reminding. Um, but if we re rewind to the first night, Brother Thomas tells us, give more of you to God, and what God gives you, you give to the world. That was the best statement that I heard throughout the whole NAYC. I could keep going, and I could go on. Through tons of different nights, because they were all great, but I'll end with the fact that NAYC was a blast and very spirit-filled. I loved every second of it and loved all the people that I went with and even the people that I didn't get to go with. I loved it all. And 
that's all I'll have to say about the first NAY experience that I've had. So this is my first NAYC. I had a chance to go to one before, but kind of kind of didn't. But I'm glad I went this time. It was really awesome. All the services from the five missing words that Mason talked about, the righteousness, the learning to hate away. Um, it's okay to hate away with, I really don't remember his name, but man, he could sing. He was good. <laughs> um, and then Brother Mangan's service, it was powerful. But my favorite was when A.J. Green, is that his name? Chris Green. I'm a little off, but Chris Green, he was great. I mean, he was awesome. I mean, the dude went up there, he's a little spitfire. He goes right at it. He don't beat around the bush. And he was talking about, like, he didn't, well, he didn't have his title up at first, right? He went right into his message. And the title was supposed to be, Where are the Apostolics, right? And he brought up this really kind of hard to pronounce word for me. And it's apostello, which I mean, I think it means is like to send out, to go out like a letter, like epistles, like living epistles, like we're letters. And he was talking about, like, where are the apostolics? Because when COVID came around, he was worried about, you know, like, I can't go preach here. I can't go do this. I can't go preach out there. And he said God hit him in his heart, and he said, you don't, have to, you don't need to want to just preach in a pulpit. If you just preach from a pulpit to people who already know the truth, then you're not really preaching. You need to go out and you need to preach to people who need the light. And we all do. We all need salvation. We all fall short. But we need to go out and reach the people who are hidden in darkness, who haven't seen any of the truth at all. And... He went out and he brought in his new title, which is Here Come the Apostolics. And I'll be honest, I got convicted because, like, in the past, like, year, I've only invited, like, five people to church. And that's not nearly as much as I wanted. Only two have come. And I want to get a whole lot more. I want to get my whole team. I want to get everybody I know to come. And I was thinking, I was like, it's not that hard. Just go out there. You even have to, you have to specifically tell them. Just show them love. And eventually, they'll want what you have. And I found that so awesome when he said that. And then he was talking about all that, and he said at the end, he was like, there's been a drought in the spirit. It's been hard. People have people fallen asleep, like with the alarm, and it, they found it hard to tap in. But that night when he, he had everybody raise their hands, and I think he counted to three, and then everybody shouted Jesus, if you, unless you just flat out refused it, you didn't, there was no way you wouldn't get the Holy Ghost that night. It was crazy. It was awesome. It was powerful. And to see like 30,000 plus people praise and worship, I mean, the whole arena was shaking. It was incredible, but it made me think, I was like, you know, if this many people can live for God, then how hard can it be for me to do it? And I was, that's all I thought about the whole time, and it was just great. I had fun hanging out with everybody. The air conditioning was nice. The rooms were awesome, and it was just a fun time. Okay, so um, I had a little bit different experience because, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to the whole thing. Um, I had a college event that I had to go to. It was mandatory. Um, so I actually only got to see the first night service and then the morning service. Um, and I'm not going to re-explain. I think Mason did a great job of explaining what those are about. But I did get two, like, reminders. And um, the first one was we were eating lunch, and I was, I was about to leave. Also, thank you to my parents for driving all the way to St. Louis to get me. Um, but we were eating lunch, and we were about to leave. And I was sitting across from Callan, and um, she reminded me of how um, two years earlier when we were at TYC because NAYC got canceled, um, I was struggling with, like, severe anxiety. And 
um, there was just like so many people and it was so loud and I ended up having a panic attack and I had to go outside. Um, and she said, it's just so cool how to see how you've grown because you were perfectly fine with what was it like 30,000 people and like I hadn't even thought of that and it was just like a reminder of how far God can bring you from certain things <laughs> so that was that was really cool um, and then my second thing that he kind of revealed to me or helped me with was actually not even at NAYC it was at the college event um, because even though I'm, I'm more comfortable with crowds, I'm not as comfortable with being social with crowds. Um, to put it in kindergarten terms, I have trouble making friends sometimes. <laughs> so um, that I was really nervous. And then on top of that, I was super bummed, like kind of on the verge of being like mad that I didn't get to finish NAYC. Um, and I was like, I'm not even going to meet anyone that's like, like me or you know that I'm gonna share any kind of ideas or values with um but and I actually felt like that for the like first part of the first morning I was there I was like wow I don't share anything in common with these people um but then we did this thing and it's it's like a I don't know how to explain it but kind of like in cheerleading in high school you get like uh, upperclassmen paired with a lower classman. It's called like bigs and littles. So we did this in this uh, council that I'm in. And my big, I was talking to her, and she's actually a part of the collegiate ministries on campus. So that was really cool. And I was just like, that's so crazy that I would get put with someone like that. And then, um, so I hung out with her a lot. And of course, her circle of friends is also people in the collegiate ministries. And we had this whole discussion over dinner about like the power of prayer. And it was so cool because I never expected that. And then um, I met my roommate and we had to take these boxes and it's like me in a box. And one thing I took was a cross, like a carved wooden cross that I've had since I was little. And um, my roommate saw it. And she was like, I love Jesus, too. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's great. So we, <laughs> so we stayed up and just talked about that for a while. But it was just really cool how God can still work through, like, disappointments. Because I was so disappointed that I couldn't finish out NAYC, and I felt like I was missing out. But he kind of showed me, like, no, this is where you were supposed to be. This was my plan for you. Hi. So, um, my first, my, the thing that I'm going to talk about is the way there. So we went about three, and then I was very hungry. So me and Anderson sat in the back, and we had these, like, Cheez-Its. They were not good. But I discovered that once you're hungry, you don't care what it is that you have as long as you get it. And, uh, yeah, the singing was pretty good, too, so. <laughs> yeah, Kaden. Yeah, Kaden. Oh, this mic is hot. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm a little nervous. Um, okay, I have my journal notebook, so give me a lot. 
One second. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I can kind of, NAYC was great. Let me just say that. Um, I'm not finding this. So I was trying to write down everything, but I just couldn't because I guess that's not what God was thinking. So I just wrote down the important stuff because when I'm nervous, I forget. Sorry if I'm talking really fast or if it's jumbled. But um, one of the first things I noticed whenever I went to NAYC was the difference between this church and NAYC. And that may sound a little weird, but in that aspect, I meant, so night services at NAYC are a big thing. It's like the it service, I guess you could say. Like, oh, I'm going to wear my fanciest outfit. Like, everyone's there. Like, that. it's the it service. But it's funny because when we get back home, the night services really aren't the it thing. It's the night services to some people are optional. And usually Sunday is like where it's the big thing. And I thought it was so weird. But as I was looking around, I'm going to be real. I got a little convicted at NAYC with my worship um, because I was like, man, this is great. I've never worshiped this much in my life. And then I was like, ooh, <laughs> I've never worshiped this much in my life. Like, that's pretty bad because God is so good. And so then I was like, okay, let's, let's change this. And then I was looking around, 33,000 people were there. That's insane. And not 33,000 people were just in that building. 33,000 were in there praising God, worshiping to their fullest, jumping with all they have, raising all the hands they have, giving everything. I talked to Gabby a little bit. She said, they're NAYC. They broke a sound decibel. Is that decimal? Louder than football games. Like, that's how much they are worshiping. And then I was like, man, I worship this much at NAYC. How do I worship at home? And I was like, okay. So um, Stephen says this really cool thing, and it's, my worship may not be the reason we see revival, but I've made it up in my mind that my lack of worship will not be the reason we don't see revival. And so I don't know about y'all, but I resonate with that quote because, man, I, I want my, like, my lack of worship will not be the reason we don't see revival. Um, and I thought it was so cool because I don't care where we are or what I'm doing. I'm going to be praising God to the fullest because he does everything for me. And so I was like, okay, the next Sunday morning, I was like, I don't care if I'm at NAYC, NTYC, or camp or a youth revival. I'm going to see revival in my church yeah. because that's where it should be. And so I don't care how much I look weird, how crazy I look. I don't care because I'm praising my God. And something a lot of people say to me are like, man, or, okay, listen, I also got a little convicted last Sunday because old songs, I don't know them that well. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I just don't. I'm sorry. I don't know them that well. But it, it doesn't stop me from praising the Lord because it doesn't matter how old the song, how much I don't know it. Because the song may change and the sermon may change, but you know who never changes is our God. Yeah. Our God never changes. Our God is the same forever and always. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And we should praise like there's no tomorrow because our praise shouldn't change. Our, no, our praise should be such a mountful. Our praise should be undeniable unconditional love and praise because that's what God gives us. God is love yeah. and God gives us everything and we couldn't earn it. We couldn't deserve it and nothing we do could ever amount to what he gives to us, but we should try our hardest 
we should try our hardest. So tonight, I'm so glad Brother Stephen did this because, man, I thought it was going to be after worship, and I was like, man, it's going to be real awkward. But I, I urge y'all, I challenge y'all, tonight, don't, don't let, yeah, sorry, I'm going back to the quote. Don't let your lack of worship be the reason we don't see revival. Let y'all's worship be the reason we do. Like, this place, it's not 33,000 people, but it should make us want to work harder for it to sound like 33,000 people. We should be jumping, we should be lifting our hands, and we should praise like there's no tomorrow. NAYC was great. Thanks. I was like Mason and I kind of prepared for this like a little bit like right before church but at least I like wrote it down so it's okay but like Asher my favorite was brother Chris Green oh my goodness he was just so good and a little bit like about him is that like he didn't want to be a minister like he wanted to be a baseball player until his pastor was like yeah, that's not what you're called for. And so then he ended up being a, a minister. And that was, like, really, really cool because, like, you never know what you're going to get called for. And I just think that's really cool. But like like Asher said, his thing was, where are the apostolics? And I thought, I don't know, it just, like, stuck out to me because he was talking, and it was about a cheeseburger. It, it, a homeless man had a sign, and it says he had a vision of a cheeseburger. And... Chris, uh, Chris Green, he, he said that he laughed at it, and he was like a normal person, took a photo of it, and went to go get gas. And so he went to the gas station and got gas, and he was driving, and he was going down the road, and he just kept on going in his head, a vision of a cheeseburger. And he ended up turning around. So he went and got this man a cheeseburger and pie and, all, and everything, and he couldn't find the man. He was gone. And go, he was like, why would, why would God call me over here if he was going to leave? Like, if he was just going to be gone. And he was thinking, like, that vision of a cheeseburger and how silly it was. But, but like, at least he had a vision. And I, then I was thinking after that, I was like, what's my vision? Do I have a vision? And I was thinking, and the whole, I'm not going to lie, when I first got there, I thought NAYC was just going to be a, just like a, and, like, I was going to get everything, and I was just going to feel it as soon as I got there. But to be honest, when I got there, I was, like, and it was hard. Like, I was, like, I, like, I couldn't, I thought it was, like, me, and I was just blaming it. I was, like, maybe because I'm so up high, like, and I was just trying to worship and worship, and I just, like, couldn't feel. And I don't know if that makes sense, but I was, I was just, like, thinking after he said that, I was, like, what's my vision? Because why am I blaming it on because I'm up high, because that shouldn't matter. And then he said, he said that this man was doing more because he had a vision. He has a sign. He was doing more with two pennies than he was doing at all with my entire spiritual like self, like my entire spiritual self. And he was doing more with two pennies because he had a vision. And that was so cool. And this, this, he said, if your ministry is conformed for a building, your ministry is on lockdown. And we need to believe that there is a vision that's going to happen. Because he, he didn't say that I want a cheeseburger. No, he said I see, like a vision. I vision a cheeseburger. So we need to see what is going to happen. And that is so cool. And he said, 
Okay, so there was 33,000 people, right? And that is a lot of people. But there are 7.8 billion people in this world. So that, it is a lot of people, but that is a small portion when you put it into perspective. And so if we want to see a change, we are going to have to see that vision and see the entire world changing for what we believe in. Because that's 33,000 people that believe the same doctrine. But imagine 7.8 billion people. That is so cool. And he said, okay, at the end, this was my favorite part. He said, God, I release apostolic anointing. And then suddenly 33,000 people spoke like in tongues. Like, I've never felt like that before. It was 33,000 people, and from your left, from your right, the entire stadium, you just felt that full anointing of spiritual and tongues. Like, that was so amazing. And he said, or I said, he changed the spirit. He, like, he changed it. He said, here come the apostolics. Not where, but here come, because we are going, and we are strong. And he said, all this, and... I just think, like, we're not going to sit there and just get comfortable. Like, I wrote this, and I was like, Mason, spaghetti. <laughs> he said, we aren't going to sit there and just be comfortable because there are so many simple things that we can be doing to grow, which I think is so cool because when you're growing, you know, you need the basic food and water. But when you're comfortable and you're sitting there, you can't get food and water by just sitting there. You have to get uncomfortable, get up, and go get some food and water. And then that's like growing, like you're growing. You're getting the spirit. You're getting everything. You're getting uncomfortable for God, and that is where we should be. And so that is my wrap-up of NAYC, and I just think it's so amazing. Hey, church fam. I'm so excited because this is such a good turnout for you Sunday. And I think that's so cool. So from U-Turn, thank you for all of your support. And also from U-Turn, we would like to thank Brother Ronnie and Brother Jackie. You guys have put up with a lot. Our group, I know, is not easy to handle. Um, and there's a lot of us. And most of the time, we're more loud than we are quiet. So big thanks from U-Turn. And we love you guys and appreciate you so much. So thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah. And also from U-Turn, we would like to give a huge thanks to Stephen and Callan for not only, yeah, yeah, they're awesome, not only struggling to find a bus, which I'm pretty sure is like in the job of being youth pastor, that's got to be, it's like every event, just going to get a bus, so thank you for doing that, for driving, and it's funny because since they are, they're watching over us, and so they're figuring out hotel problems, they're figuring out where to go eat, when there's 33,000 people in a city and they're just figuring out all these things and at the same time praying for us too at this huge event. And it's funny because we were talking to Steven and we found out that Steven's in like none of the photos because he's like, <laughs> he's like doing everything and just helping us out. So thank you guys a lot and you turn to appreciate y'all so much. Um, yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. We love you guys. Yeah. Um, this was my second time to go to NAYC. I went once when I was 15, 14, 15, and now from 18. And it's so beautiful to see such a difference. Um, and th there's one thing I want to say to encourage all of us as a church is that, and I know we will say it a lot, but I mean this with so much genuine, genuine of my heart, is that there is something spiritually happening in the atmosphere, especially in Paris, Texas. And the reason that I say this, and I know this statement might sound different or something you're not expecting to hear, but NAYC was not 
the only spiritual thing that happened for our youth group this summer. And that is probably one of the biggest things I could think about. We went to this NAYC expecting for things to happen. And we came out going right back into what we've been doing because NAYC is at the end of July. But in May and in June and before NAYC, we had like five baptisms. We went to church camp. We have... I see two new people here tonight that have joined our youth, and they are incredible, and I'm so glad you all are here tonight. There's so much happening before NAYC, and then that's how you know that things are spiritually happening in the atmosphere because this huge event, one of the biggest events in America for youth apostolics, was not our biggest victory. It was just a continuation of something, and that is something to look at and be in such an encouragement. And so that is also something that I wanted to add and say because it's so funny. We've, we've been living in this in the summer. This has been our life. God has been our life. And whenever I was at NAYC, all I could think about is the thoughts that I've already been thinking about before NAYC, that things are about to happen in our schools. Things are about to happen in our youth group. And I went to NAYC, and all of those thoughts were magnified. Just like Lainey talked about, you have to have a vision or the people will perish. And that is exactly what is happening. I have been confident about a lot of things, and they all root back to God because that's where we get our confidence. I have not felt spiritually as confident as thinking that things are going to explode in this next year. And it is just such an awe-inspiring thing to see. And from leaving NAYC, it's beautiful because people didn't just get ideas. They were encouraged to start the ones they already had. And so I can say that if you don't know what a P7 club is, P7 is basically like a Bible study that you can start in your high school. And I know several of the youth that were already thinking about that. And then we went to NAYC, and all we heard about was P7 Bible Club. That's an encouragement for them. I had my brother, who I love, come to me, and he wants to start a Bible study. Like, there's so much happening that people have been wanting to do, and NAYC just gave them the fuel to actually act on our visions that we had, like Lainey was saying. And so that's such a cool part. Um, And as it comes to sermon-wise, I would like to share my favorite part, which Mason had talked about, and it was the woman who was a missionary that spoke in a morning service. And her, this is, it's, it's one of those sermons that you'll go to and you'll just never forget because of how different it is and how much material that you're gonna use in your daily life. And so hers was the covenant of righteousness. And like Mason said, she journeyed to find the true definition of righteousness. And the the definition that she gave is something that me and my friend group, we have used so much because of how valuable this information is. And it was the definition of righteousness is whenever you encounter any person, treat that person as if you are entertaining God himself. That is something that is so precious and such a prized thing because if you go up to everyone and it's your chance to entertain the living God, that's whenever you start to truly use your true form of worship and you start enacting on what we've been called here to be. We've called here to be for people because if we are serving people and loving people, we're doing that from a love of God. And so all of these things, that was one of the most beautiful things I think I heard from her was simply that statement that whenever we meet a person, just treat them like it's our chance to entertain God himself. And um, my brother's not here because he's not feeling well, but there is something that I would like to share um, from both of us. 
so on the last night, what was really cool is I, I went my first year, and um, the first time I went, uh, my grandfather Philip Taylor, who most of you know, and I know it was a lot of you was a lot of your good friends and. I understand that. And so whenever I went to NAYC, he was the one that prompted me to go when I was 14, 15. Because of course he would. I mean, if you knew him, that's, he was hyped for it. He probably would have gone himself if he was 14 and 15. Um, but it's really cool because my first memory of NAYC, it's a big memory of my grandfather, Philip Taylor. And um, Jackson and I loved our grandfather so much. And of course, whenever people pass, you always have the wondering why. That's a, that's a simple and that's a human nature statement is why. Why did this happen? Why did he pass? And so um, Jackson and I on the last night, we were sitting at opposite ends of the, the pews. And goodness, I love my brother with all my heart. He's not here, but he is someone that is truly going to change the spiritual realm. And I'm so excited for him. Um, so we were sitting at different places and we were having two separate conversations. And Callan was talking to me and she said, Stevie, she was like, because last year, she had been thinking about my grandfather as well, and she did an incredible act of kindness for him. And she was telling me, she was like, I truly believe that the, one of the reasons that your grandfather had to pass away was so that you and Jackson could be here now. And she was like, I truly just don't think that you two would be here or at the places you were at if you had not passed. But little did I know that on the other side of the pew, Jackson was having a conversation about my grandfather too. And it was, it was so weird how much it spiritually co-aligned. And that's God. And so for any of you, including my family, who maybe have wondered that, that's a reason why. Because if something leaves, someone is going to have to fill in. And so I know that my brother doing everything he can and just I will just take the opportunity that we have because that's who we got to look up to. And so thanks to Kellen for telling me that because that was such an encouragement at the time. And it was so spirit-led because Jackson was having the same conversation with another person. Um, that is my NAYC experience, and what is so beautiful, like I said, is that that was just a minor experience of this summer. I've had, we've had atheist friends come to summer games. We've had new people come, baptisms. People have received the Holy Ghost at rallies. That's what's happening this summer. NAYC was just a small part that we all got to be together to encourage what's already happening. Thank you guys so much for coming and supporting youth tonight. If the ushers could come, we're going to take our tithes and our offering. So, Father, thank you for the words we've heard already. Thank you for the spirit we've already felt in this place. But, God, I pray that we continue to pour out and to give to you. And I pray that you bless what is given and you bless the giver and anoint the word as it's brought today and anoint the congregation. In Jesus' name, have your way in the rest of this service. Amen. See a victory.
stop your praise right now. Because the music stops doesn't mean God's not stopping working. God's working right now. God's moving right now. You don't have to be in St. Louis at North American Youth Congress to experience God. But when two or three are gathered together in His name, when you begin to praise His name, He inhabits the praises of His people. You need deliverance. You need healing. You need to be broken free. The answer is the same. It's praise. It's prayer. It's pouring everything out so you are empty, so God can begin to pour into you everything you're looking for, everything you're lacking, everything you're needing, everything your family needs. It's found in worship, in prayer, at the altar, letting yourself decrease as He increases. Praise does something that we don't even fully understand. Praise does something that we, we think we get a hold of it sometimes because we've been a part of great worship services. But worship, it gets the attention of God. Yes, we know that. It gets the attention of the one who can move, who can change, who can move in your situation. Yes, but there's something about your praise impacting your people next to you. And we overlook that, but it's something powerful. And Brother Jerry Newberry, I'm going to give you a shout out, okay? Because this isn't an NAYC report, but this is a North Texas Summit report, which was, I don't even remember, when was that? When was Summit? A few months back? Thousands of people in there, probably two to three, maybe even more than that thousand. I didn't know who was there from our church. I didn't know everybody that was there because there was a lot of people. And I'm towards the front, and there's a worship service, and I hear a war cry go off behind me. I said, there is one person. There is one person that I know that makes a war cry like that. Brother Jerry Newberry must be in the building. And a few seconds later, I hear it again, and it's closer. And a few seconds later, I see Brother Jerry Newberry run past me. And I know if my carnal self can sense the worship of Jerry Newberry is in the building, I know God hears it, and I know the enemy hears it. And so what you need to do is let your war cry out and say, I'm letting God hear me. I'm letting the people next to me hear me. I'm letting the enemy hear me. I'm letting everybody know that praise is here and that God is being praised and God is inhabiting these praises and God is moving today. Let your praises ever be swamped out and drowned down by numbers, whether it's too little or too big, your praise is doing something. That in a group of thousands, Brother Jerry Newberry's praise has impacted me. And your praises tonight has impacted somebody else. I believe it. And so I'm not going to be long. I've, I struggled to gather notes. I had a message and I went to write it and it was, I just wrestled with it. And I couldn't figure it out. And I was thinking, God is doing something weird and I don't know what it is, but I want to be prepared because I don't want to be out here and look dumb. And so I tried and I wrestled and I was like, I, I was like, Darren, I'm trying to give you scriptures, but I've got at least one or two, but I don't know what's going to happen. Am I wrong? I said, well, he said, we'll figure it out along the way. I was like, we're going to hope so. But as the service began to move, I began to realize what God is doing, and it's not going to be about what I say tonight. 
It's going to be about how you respond tonight. So what I am going to do, we're going to move to our scripture. It's 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 12. 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 12. And this, I got this point. God spoke this to me. I was preparing to speak in children's church last week, I guess. And there was this point that just jumped out at me that I, I, I'd never seen it before. I never thought about it before. And I was looking at these little children in children's church, and I was thinking, I am not a good enough preacher to break this down properly. So I don't know how I go about this, but so I'm going to wait a little bit. And as I was getting ready for this service, this point came back to me, and it all ties in with NAYC and how this all went together. But I'm just amazed by how God is moving and what he's doing in this youth group. And Stevie touched on it. We've seen, I'm, I'm, I have you standing, I know, but I'll be standing too, so we'll be okay. But, <laughs> but there's been such amazing things that's been happening in our youth group this summer that I can't even describe to you properly. Like she said, we've seen five get baptized this summer. We've seen people receive the Holy Ghost. We've seen crazy things. We've seen spiritually weird things, which is becoming the norm now. And that's what I like. I like seeing it. I like seeing spiritual weirdos in the youth group. I like it. And so I am so glad that we have and what you have poured into in this generation. I'm done saying it's tomorrow's church. I'm done saying it's the generation of tomorrow. It's right now. They're impacting the church right now. They're impacting their schools right now. They're impacting me right now. It's not the church of tomorrow. It's the church of today. And we're all a part of it. And so I'm ready for us to unite together because this is a word for the youth, yes, but it's for everybody. I believe it tonight. And it's 1 Samuel 16. 1 through 12, it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long are you going to mourn for Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, because I have chosen a king for myself among his sons. But Samuel said, How, how can I go when, when Saul hears about it? He will kill me. But the Lord said, Well, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. The enemy doesn't like it when you sacrifice. This, this isn't in my notes, but when you are worried about the enemy, worried about what the enemy is trying to do for you, if you begin to lay some things down, if you begin to sacrifice some things, begin to give some things of your old self up, the enemy is not going to be able to be around you. The enemy is not going to be able to touch you when you begin to truly sacrifice. And so he takes a heifer to sacrifice and he's going to be safe from Saul. And so he goes and says, and you shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will let you know what you shall do. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to guide you here. I will show you, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. So Samuel did what the Lord told him, and he came to Bethlehem. Then the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and said, do you come in peace? He said, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is standing before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God does not see as man sees since man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab 
and had him pass before Samuel, but he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. And next, Jesse had Shammah pass by, and he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. And so Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And you may be seated. It seems abrupt to stop right there. It's going to make sense. There's two things that I want I feel that God is wanting us to grasp from this story, and I'm going to be quick. I'm not going to be long. But the title of my message tonight, if we could get that title slide up there. If I send it. Did I send it? Give us a second. And so there's two things from this story that I want us to grab, and I'm aware that this week our students are going back to school. And that I know a lot of our teachers, maybe they're already back. Are the teachers back already? Did we start? So the teachers are already back. So I know that this is a pivotal week, right? This is a pivotal moment coming up where a lot of students are going back to school. People are going back to college, and we're getting ready to go into a new school year. And this seems intimidating, and this seems overwhelming, but it's truly an opportunity this year. That this summer we've experienced great things that we've talked about. We've seen, we've seen callings be recognized. We've seen spiritual eyes be opened. And now it's the opportunity to practice what you've gained this summer. That there are people in your schools that are going to need you to be strong this year. That there's going to be needing people for you to go out there to reach them, to pull them, to be a light to them. Your students, your coworkers, your family are going to need this year of what you gained this summer. I truly believe that. And so... What we need for that to happen is for you to not settle for anything less than the best that God has for you. And our title slide, Is This All? Is this all? It's all going to make sense. Maybe asking, is this all? You stopped in the scripture. I don't know where you're going with this, but it's going to make sense. But what we talk about is in this story, let me get eight. Let me see get eight guys. Caleb, I want you we get in the back middle, though. I need seven guys. One, two, Caden, three. Caleb, I want you to get in the back middle right there by that picture. Three, Tanner, four. Logan, five. Aaron, six. You're running away. I see you. Brother Aaron, I want you up front with me. You'll do good up here. Tanner Malone, I want you up here. Tanner's my plumbing buddy. Michael's my plumbing buddy, too. He makes fun of me because of my skinny jeans. And so... These are a little looser, though. Are these better? Eh. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Perfect. Okay. Logan, I want, to, I want you to get up, get up front with me. Tanner, you're good right here. Scoot over. Let Logan get right here. All right. In this story, Samuel, I've always grown up hearing these sermons, and they always get the seven to come up and to bring them forward, and so it's my chance. So I get to be the preacher now. So look out. Look in front. Look at the people. Let, let everybody see you. Samuel is, he hears a word from the Lord that one of the kings is going to be in Jesse's house. One of the sons is going to be king. And that's exciting. If I was a prophet, I'm like, this is a good one. I'm excited. So he's going, he's got his horn with oil to anoint them. And Caleb, what I want you to do during this whole time, I just want you to go and just touch people on the shoulder the whole time. Don't, be, don't, don't distract them too much. But. And so... Samuel goes, and he's got a word from God that one of these sons is going to be the king. And so he goes to Jesse, and he says, I need you to bring your sons to the sacrifice, and one of them is going to be the king. And so they go, and, 
and Eliab comes by, and Eliab's tall, and Eliab, he's handsome, and he looks good. And Samuel's like, this is him. God says, no, it's not. So he leaves, he goes to the back of the line. Abinadab comes up. It's got, it's got, if it's not Eliab, it's got to be Abinadab. It's not. So he goes. Shama comes by. It's, if, it, if it's not Abinadab, it's not Eliab, it's got to be Shama, but is it? It's not. And it goes, and they didn't give any more names. We'll say Caden. It's not him either. It's not Asher. It's not Aaron. It's not Tanner. And it's none of them. And in this moment, this has got to be confusing for Samuel. If I'm going to be real. If I was Samuel, and I know I had a word from God that one of these sons is going to be king, and he goes and he says, bring him to the sacrifice. One of them will be king. And he sees all of the seven brought before him, and none of them are chosen to be king. I would begin to doubt the word from God. I would look at what's in front of me, and I would say, you told me there's a king here. I'm not feeling released to anoint one yet. I don't see anything else. You told me something was coming. You told me there was royalty here. You told me there was a blessing here. You told me that my healing was coming, but I don't see it yet. And what's easy for us to do is begin to doubt the word and begin to look at what we see in front of us and ignore what we have heard God tell us. Because honestly, I feel like Eliab probably would have been a good king. I don't think he would have been terrible. He was big, he was tall, he was handsome. I don't think he would have been bad. But would he have been the best that God was calling it to be? Probably not. No, he wouldn't have been. And so what Samuel decides to do is he looks at what is here. He looks at what's available to him. But he says, is this all of your sons? I'll have a word from God. I had a promise from God. I had a calling on my life. I was told I was going to be healed. I was told that my family was coming back to church. I was told that my marriage is going to be fixed, but I don't see it right now. And we have a choice in this moment to say, well, it's got to be one of these sons. I guess I'm going to take what I see in front of me right now. I guess I'll take the divorce right now. I guess I'll take the drugs right now. I guess I'll take the alcohol right now. I guess I'll just step out of church right now because I'm not seeing my ministry take off like it should. I guess I'll just take what I see in front of me right now. But instead, Samuel says, is this all? There's got to be another son. There's got to be something else. There's got to be something more because you told me that there was a promise. You told me there was a king. You told me something was going to happen, and I don't see it yet. So God, you must not be done working yet. And so tonight, what I want you to realize is there's going to be promises in your life that we all have experienced promises, callings on our life, calling to minister, calling to, and when I talk about ministering, I'm not talking about just preaching behind a pulpit or singing. Yes, those are ministries, but I'm talking about what a ministry means is tending to those in need. That is the definition of to minister. To tend to those in need. And so you're saying, I'm called to minister and I've seen, I'm not seeing what I wanted yet. I'm not seeing that ministry come to fruition yet. I'm not seeing my prayers answered yet. I'm not seeing this answered yet. So God, your word must have been wrong. God, I'm, it must not be right. And so I'll just take what's in front of me. And I've seen in my life, kids I've grown up with in the youth group, be called to a ministry. To tell the youth group to be at 
right here doing the same thing we did and tell the church I've been called to a ministry and leave the church before they've ever done it. I've seen people that I've looked up to in the faith leave the church because they didn't see what they wanted to see and have disappointed me and have hurt me. And so reading this story and reading Samuel looking and not seeing everything he thought he was going to see and realizing that there must be more has let me know that I'm never going to be that for you guys. That I'm never going to be the one that you're going to look at as they leave the church and be disappointed and hurt because they gave up. And then what I'm going to do is instill in you guys the faith to be able to keep going for the younger generation to never have to look at any of you and say, I wonder where they are now. But what we're going to do is look at what's in front of us and our prayers may not be answered yet. Our prayers may not be coming into fruition yet. We may not see our promise. We may not see our ministry taking off yet. But we say, is this all? There's got to be another son. And Jesse says, well, there is. There's, but it's, it's David. It's, there's more. Yeah, there is, there is more. But guess where more is? More is not in the sacrifice. More is not in the religious setting. More is in the field. Tending to the sheep. Not just touching shoulders or just something random. No. That you were impacting the sheep. You were out in the field impacting. Say, is this more? Yes, there is more. But you're not just going to find it in the four walls of the church. Yes, you were meant to be in church. Yes, you were meant to come to the congregation. Yes, you were meant to hear the leadership of your pastor. But you weren't meant to come in once or twice a week, sit there and say, I'm a Christian, and then leave. But your more is out in the field, tending to your father's sheep. The scripture says that we are his sheep, the, pe- the sheep of his pasture, that we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And what David is the more that he was looking for, that he was out there and he says, if there's more, I'm not sitting down until more is here. He's good. He picked it. I didn't even say a word. Did you see that? If there is more, I'm not sitting down until I see more. If there is more, bring him to me, and I will not sit down. I will not rest. I will not stop. I will not give up until I see the more that is promised by God. And so his scripture says that they bring David, and they said David was handsome too. So David walks in immediately. God tells Samuel, get up and anoint him. He's the one. The one that wasn't in the sacrifice, but he was obeying this father. He was obeying his father and was in the field taking care of the sheep. Scripture says that obedience is greater than sacrifice. Sacrifice is crucial. Laying things down is crucial. You could sacrifice your finances. You could sacrifice everything you have, what you wear, what you dress in. You could sacrifice everything. But until you begin to obey and follow after God, it means nothing. Because when you separate yourself from the world, it means nothing until you separate yourself to something else. Because if you take off the world, don't put on God, you're just naked and it's weird. (laughs) But scripture says to put on Christ, to put on God. And so Samuel says, I see everything in front of me. I see my situation in front of me. I see my family isn't saved yet. I see that I'm not healed yet, but I'm still believing in the healer. I see that my family's not back yet, but I'm believing in the deliverer. I'm seeing that my situation hasn't come through yet, but the provider is who I'm going to believe in even when I don't see it yet because there's got to be more. If God, you have told me there is more. And so, but more is in the field. More is out there, and you, you guys could be you guys could be seated. I'll, I'll stop using y'all. 
I'll keep looking at you and get distracted. But it's too often that we see what we let see in front of us override what God has been telling us. That we don't see our promises and so we stop believing in the promise maker. But if we can decide, if I don't see more yet, God's not done working yet. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for prosperity and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. And then Romans eleven twenty nine says, for the gifts of the calling of God are irrevocable. God's promise looked different because Samuel didn't see the king yet. But the word never changed. The promise never changed. That when he called you in your life to be a minister, like I said, to tend to those that are in need. When he called you to do what you're needing to do, to be where you're needing to be. When he promised you a healing, when he promised you deliverance, when he promised you whatever it is you read or you have heard. And you're not seeing it yet. His promise has not changed. You here tonight, his promise has not changed. But he is working. He is moving. He is delivering. He is working right now. There is more out there. But you will not truly see the more until you begin to go out into the field. Tending to your father's sheep. And we have it's John 21. And I, that's why I didn't even want to use this because it was used so much at NAYC. But I couldn't not because it just morphed into this message that it says that Jesus is talking to Simon Peter, and he says, so when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend to my lambs. And we'll go to the next scripture. I have more. But then so he said to him, yes, you know that I love you. And he said, tend to my lambs. And so he says to him again for a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know. You know that I love you. And so he said to him again, shepherd my sheep. And then he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Loving Jesus is good. Jules, your roommate, loving Jesus is good. She loves Jesus. That's great. And a lot of us can get to that point and say, I love Jesus, so my life is going to be good. But too easy we could treat that as choosing Eliab to be the king. And say, this will be, a, this will be good. This will work. I, I'll have a good Christian life, everything will be okay. I'll go to church once or twice a week and I'll be okay. It will be good. I love Jesus. But Jesus does not stop there. He says, if you love me, tend my sheep. Psalms 103 says, know that the Lord himself is God. He is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. There is a world out there needing you. That you are going to be the only Jesus that they may ever see. That you are going to be the only Bible they may ever read. You are going to be the only light that they see in their life. And they're not going to get it if you're just a pew Christian. That if you're not just one, if you're one that decides, I'm going to be a good Christian, I'm going to go to church, and that's going to be it. But God says, don't just love me, 
Tend my sheep. Go to your classmates and share that love. Tend to your classmates. Tend to those that are hurting. Minister to those that need help because the field is full. The sheep are lost and they're hungry and your world is looking for an answer that we cannot waste any more time by living a good Christian life. But there's more. It's not all. This isn't all God called for you to do. There is more that we have to feed the sheep. We have to watch our father's sheep because their eternity is more important than living a good Christian life. We have to live a God life. And I'm coming to a close. We can have the musicians come. I told you I wasn't going to be long because this is going to just attend on your response. If we could pull up our title slide again, if it's available. I chose empty bleacher seats because I think typically what we'd like to see is full bleachers. That we'd like to see it packed out. We'd like to see everybody's in there, everybody's in the arena, and everybody's looking out, and it's full, and it looks great. But what this is is this is not what we're called to be. That I put this because I don't want us to feel like we're called to fill the bleachers. Because we're not called to be bystanders. We're not called to watch the game and to watch what God is doing and watch what God is wanting to do in this end time revival, in this generation. But we are called to be on the field, to be in the field, to be like David. The more that was in the field the whole time, not in the sacrifice, not in the religious setting, but he was obeying God. And so what we're called to do is not watch what God is doing. People say, I'm excited to see what God is doing. But we need to begin to say, I'm ready for what God is going to use me to do. That we are all called. And scripture says that many are called and few are chosen. Why? I can call you and not be close to you. I can get my phone out and I can call you. But for me to choose you to do something for me, for me to choose you to help me, you're going to have to be close to me. You're going to have to answer my call. And so God is calling out to everybody here. If you are born, if you are living, if you woke up today, you're called. But are you going to be chosen? Are you going to be in the stands and watch what God is doing and allow the anointing to pass you by while you're continuing to be religious and being a good Christian, but letting the Spirit move past you? Or are you going to answer the call and be chosen and say, God, here I am. God, I'm ready to be used by you. God, you're doing something. And God, if you're going to do something, use me to do it. Let me be sensitive to your voice and let me be sensitive to the people. Let me be sensitive to your sheep, God. Don't let me just walk through my hallways, God, and focus on my own problems and my own grades and my own classes. But God, let me feel the spiritual environment of what's going on around me. Let me sense those that are hurting, those that are depressed, those that are anxious, those that are confused. Let me be used to start the revival in myself first, but in the school. I don't want to be in the bleachers. I don't want this to be all that there is. But God, I need to be used by you because the field is full. Scripture says that the harvest is plentiful, but workers are few. And I want this church to be workers. I want our youth to be workers. And so what we're going to do right now is make up in our mind as everybody stands. You could have been the best bystander there ever was up to this moment. 
And all you have to do is make the decision to step out of the bleachers and onto the field. All you have to do is say, God, I'm sorry for not opening myself up to be used by you. I'm sorry for looking at just what was available and choosing it over what you have told me in the past. But God, I'm going to be following after you from now on. God, I'm going to be pursuing the calling on my life from now on. God, I'm going to seek your kingdom first from now on. So what I want us to do first, Stevie and Jules, I want you to come up first. They're getting ready to go off to college. And I want every student that's getting ready to go back to school to surround them in a circle. Every student, whatever grade, elementary, middle school, high school. And I want every teacher behind them, every school faculty member behind them. This isn't going to be another year of wondering what God is going to do. This isn't going to be another year of hoping to see God change our friend's life. But this is going to be the year where we step into our callings. That we've seen too much this summer. We've seen too many lives change for us to ever even decide for a moment that God can't move in our schools, that God can't reach the lost, that God can't transform a hardened heart. And so what we're going to do now, and now I want everybody to come in behind the teachers. Stevie and Jules. Oklahoma and Austin are about to be blown away by what God's going to do. Y'all are phenomenal, so don't take this the wrong way, but not because of just how special y'all are, but because you decided that I'm not going to be a bystander, that I'm not just going to watch and hope that God's going to do something great in Oklahoma, that God's going to do something great in Austin, but I'm going to be used to do something great in my college, in my city, in my roommate's life, in my friend group, the people that I meet that God's going to put in my life. I am going to step out from the bleachers and into my calling because if I don't see everything yet, I know that there's more in the field. And every student that's going to school in this area, you know what you've experienced last year. You know what you wish you did last year. You know what you went into the summer saying, I wish I had done more. I wish I had spent more time praying. I wish I spent more time outreaching. This is your year to do it. This is your year to pray for that person that you looked at every day and thought, I know they're struggling, but I don't know what it is. This is your year. Every teacher, you don't understand the impact you make on students' lives, positive or negative how necessary and how important it will be that you walk in full of the Spirit before the day even starts. Because there's going to be students there that are needing help, that are needing light, that are needing direction, and you're teaching math. But they're going to feel your Spirit. And everybody that's not involved in the school, what you are going to be is a support system 
that's praying for them every day and that when we walk in here on Sunday nights, when we walk in here on Wednesday nights and we're tired from pouring out to those in the schools around us, that you're giving strength and encouragement this school year. That you're saying, I'm glad to see you. I know you may be tired, but it's good that you're here in the house of God. It's good that you're here on a youth Sunday. And we're going to unify together. And this school year is going to be something that we have never seen before. All because we decided that this isn't all. What we've seen is not all. What we have felt is not all. What's in front of us is not all. But there is more, and it's in the field. And we are called to go out into the field. And that's where we're going this week. So I want every eye closed. I want a hand on a shoulder where it's appropriate. And I don't want a, a quiet prayer. I don't want just a generic prayer. I want a bold prayer. Knowing that somebody's spiritual life and eternity depends on it. That we are going to impact people this year. And we may never even see the results in this earth. But God, you are going to plant seeds. God, you're going to start revivals. God, you're going to heal families. God, you're going to answer prayers. God, you're going to transform hardened hearts. All because we stepped out from the from the plate. Oh God. This isn't all. But God, there's more. God, you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. So I know this isn't all that you can do. So God, give me more than I've ever experienced. God, let my cup overflow. God, we want more.
as we're sensitive and right now as we've begun to respond what we're going to do is begin to make a declaration of faith now, I don't do stuff like this but God's I don't know what God's wanting to do but I believe in what he'll do afterwards that there's a person in your life there's a person that you have a burden for there is somebody that you want to see it may be a specific person it may be a group it may be a school I don't know what it is but it's somebody that you have a burden for and so what I'm going want you to do Music's going to begin to play a little bit. But on the count of three, I want you to begin to, in Jesus' name, plead the blood over that one person. Specifically, that group, whatever it is. That you're not saying God touched them, but whatever it is, I want you to be bold in the spirit and pray that God is going to do what you're wanting to see happen. If you're wanting to see your entire grade saved, I want you to say it. I want you to speak it. I want you to claim it. And what God is going to do is God is going to begin to move and your faith is going to begin to rise. And you're going to be empowered to step out from the pews, out from the steps onto the field and begin to do the work you're praying for. So on three... Begin to think of what it is. Think of who it's going to be. One. Two. Three. In Jesus' name. Oh, begin to claim it right now. Begin to claim it. Begin to speak it. Revival. Lives are saved. Atheists are turned to believers. I'm turned into a minister. I'm stepping out in faith. My friends are going to be saved. 
My school is going to turn around. My job is going, I'm going to get the promotion. God, I'm going to get what I know you have promised me. My marriage is coming back together. My finances are going to be touched. My kids are coming back to church. I believe it. I'm stepping back into the ministry that I've stepped out of. I'm stepping back into the calling that I've excluded myself from. Because God, you're still moving. Begin to give him praise for it, like he's already done it. Begin to jump, begin to dance, begin to shout, begin to rejoice. Because God is moving this year. God is moving this year.
work? Yep. So if you're praying, keep on playing, praying. But I had to say something that I placed in my heart. So we're on the street. We're going back to school next week. And the first thing I want to address is I've been so scared. So scared. I don't know if I'm alone in this, but I know somebody's feeling something. Worry, anxiety, stress, fear about what's going to happen. But there's one thing. This is the first ever Bible scriptures that I've learned. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God hath not given me the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God hath not given me the spirit of worry, anxiety, anything that is not of Him but of power and of love and a sound mind. And I tell you something else by Paul I was reading. And school, it looks like four walls, hallways and teachers, but it is a battlefield. It is a battlefield for joy suckers people who want to come against you the enemy at every second but Paul says three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me but he said to me my grace is sufficient to you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses insults and hardships and persecution and difficulties for when I am weak I am strong the enemy wants to come against me I am stronger and it's something funny but I was listening to a song it's Can't Tell It All by KB and Holby it's a Christian rap song super good one of the line is send me to Nineveh I'll get it popping if you know what popping is it means I'm going to get a hype I'm going to change it there's going to be a difference there I was thinking about it you know Nineveh's where Jonah he was supposed to go there he was supposed to go there but he fled and he ran away But guess what happens when he came back? In three days, he walked through the streets. He said, repent for their nation will be a great downfall. And the people were terrified. They said this, and these are the Assyrians. This is a great nation known for their anger, their menace, their revenge, and the way that they persecute Christians. And he spoke the word. And he got all the way to the king. And the king tore off his clothes and he put it on a sackcloth. And he said, we're going to repent. We're going to repent because I'm scared that this nation is going to fall. And we're going to know God. Send me to Nineveh, I'll get it popping. Send me to North Amar, ISD, I'm going to change it. Send me to Chisholm, ISD, I'll be the light. Send me to Prairie Land, there's going to be a difference. Send me to Paris, I'm going to change it. Send me to UT, my kingdom will be grown. Send me to UCO, Wow! Send me to the battlefield and they will praise your name. That is the mentality we have to have walking into this. Not when we're taking the car ride up to the school and all of a sudden we have butterflies in our chest and we're so scared and we walk in the hallway not trying to make eye contact with everybody. But you're there smiling, asking them how their summer is. When they ask you how your summer is, you're like, oh, I had a vacation. No, you say, I went to NAYC. I went to youth camp. There was a difference in my life. Let me tell you about it. Let me start this P7 so that the halls in my school are changed forever. That they will know the name of the Lord and they will come to this church and every pew will be filled. <laughs> Guys, I can't wait for what we're about to do. Because there is a difference and we are so strong. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you, Jesus.
Oh, <laughs> 